feel like everybody's right and everybody's wrong. 100%. Why is this important? Why are we even going here? He's helped a lot of guys. He's also not had success with a lot of guys. Come in with a purpose, and they're very intentional with what they do and how they do it. From the majors to the sandlot, baseball and softball share space in one place. Welcome to the farm system. Fellas, 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 and the ladies. We have a lot of the ladies today. We're all going to jump in. Okay, so today, welcome back to another episode of The Farm. All right, we got special, we got special guests. And also, too, I, I'm just going to slap the intro over uh, to Taylor because I want Taylor, you know, listen, you, you plug this one up. So I'm going I'm to go ahead and give you, the, give you the flow on this one. So go ahead. All right, all right. You guys, we've got a special guest on today. We have Kimberly Schwartz, a licensed therapist in the space of mental health. She's had a wide variety of experience uh, over the years, and she's going to be a real treat for you today. Love it. Okay, so first question, how are you feeling? How am I feeling? Yeah, how are you feeling? How are you walking in? Um, I walked in nervous. Yeah. However. You pushed through that, though. We pushed through it. Pushed through and it. feeling relaxed. And I'm um, just excited. Yeah, yeah. I I um just uh I think on the same side of that um I was actually just interested. Uh, this is a personal note. Um, as you've kind of um. I feel like maybe you haven't recognized this. I was gonna say, I feel like when uh, Taylor gave me the life update, I was like, good for her. Oh like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you've been doing some cool things. Yeah. Yeah. No, take us through um, uh, take us through just uh, a general uh just walk through of like how you've gotten um, to where you are now. I mean, even in the short term, I know a lot of exciting things have happened in the last, I don't know, year and a half or so. Right. Um, but also with that being said, uh, there was a lot of work, you know, obviously leading up to that and what built the passion, those things as well. So why don't you kind of just uh, let everybody else know who you are since, you know, we've obviously brought you on because we feel like you're going to have so much value, you know? Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so some of the things that have happened, yes, big transitions, that have been going on. So what brought me to Vegas over two years ago was I was working with um, a dual diagnosis, so primarily substance use mm. um, and mental health, of course, yeah. uh, treatment center. Mm. And I was in that space, loved it, love inpatient, love working with people who are just starting their um, addiction recovery journey, their yeah. mental health journey, healing journey. Um, was that at... Um uh, were you and Taylor working at the same facility at the Yes, and okay. that's actually how I met Taylor. Oh, okay, that's right. Okay, I didn't know if she was the first, uh, she, you guys were at the first facility or, you know, anyways. Yeah, I just wanted to put the connect those dots for me in my head. Yes, yeah. and um, she outlasted me, <laughs> outlasted all of us, and we would have our lunches together, and um, so Taylor was really, like, my first real connection, my first mm. friend um, here in She's Vegas. She's a good friend. That's a good first friend, to be honest, you know? for sure absolutely um so yeah so you um obviously coming out here and um doing those as well what did you feel like uh like passion wise um what brought you to just the field like in general yeah just in general so um i don't know in high school i just really noticed that i enjoyed just observing human behavior mm -hmm. and just very curious why people do the things that mm -hmm. they do. Like, you, why do they stand a certain way? Why do they talk the way that they do? Why do they, I don't know, you're one of those. Exist. You're one of those uh, people watchers in the mall, huh? That was me. That was you. That I, was me. I get it. I, I, I've taken part, so that, that 
makes a lot of sense. So you got really interested in um, just humans, mm-hmm. you know, from that same side. Um, there's a lot of people that are interested in humans, but you, you went to a whole other way. You got all the way to, you know, from I the did. side. So, yeah, connect, connect that, too, from obviously from this high school, um, you know, people watching, mm-hmm. right? Um, some other people call those stalkers, but we're going we're gonna to go ahead and move past that. She's <laughs> <laughs> not I. She's not I. I'll take that one. I'll take that you, one. You take that one, too. <laughs> um, no, but when you, when you went from that, uh, how did – you know what made you want to go to towards the the clinical side because uh, again like it's a hard thing to do um right it, you know it's a it's a um it's a challenging thing to take on you know uh, other people's uh traumas and 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 to work through um these hard hardships that they've had in their lives and also help them you know and be part of that journey with them it's a it's a uh that's another step mm-hmm. then you know it comes you know something i kind of like to do as a hobby compared to this is what i want to do with my life um yeah help me understand why you made that jump i made the jump because um the spaces that i was introduced to it just didn't feel right to me uh working in research working in just learning about the things wasn't exciting to me um when i was working in those research labs i found myself jealous of the people that were on the floor talking with those participants those people and um, that's when I really pursued that. That's when it all started to click for me. I was, I don't know, I had, I guess, like this insecurity that I didn't always know, like, the right thing to say when mm. someone was going through something. Yeah. And that's when being a therapist, being a counselor, for me, really started to make sense because it's not about the advice that you give when you're mm. a therapist, counselor. It's about holding space. You're, I'm just there. Like I'm supposed to be there. You're not supposed to. I am. I'm there for you. Yeah, that's you know that's really and good. with you. No, I think that's a very. <laughs> I want you to kind of unpack that a little bit more because I, th- I thought that that's, I think that's really insightful because mm-hmm. I think a lot of coaches or I think that's a normal human response, right? When people are um, having, you know, again they're trying to be there for someone. Um, and especially through hard, you know, hardships and things that are happening through people's lives. I feel like they, you know, again, I know I felt that way where I feel like, you know, I need to say the right thing. What am I supposed to do in this yeah. moment and those things? Um, you know, help us like understand what you mean by that, like by hold space, uh, being, you know, kind of present. What, mm-hmm. is, what does that, uh, separation look like? Yeah. So, um, oftentimes we think that we have to say the right thing. Um, like, oh, it'll be okay. Or go get him. Like you'll, d- you'll do better next time. Mm-hmm. Um, or it'll all work out. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not about the things that you say. It's about the things that you do. People, people typically aren't going to remember the things that you say. They're mm-hmm. going to remember if you were there for them or not. Mm-hmm. Um, whether you answered that text, answered that phone call, mm-hmm. showed up to that game, mm-hmm. um, sat with them while yeah. they were going through something instead of shutting, instead of shutting you down. Um, or encouraging just being there yeah yeah that's all that we really need is for someone to just be there with us mm. not make us do one thing or another what well, you know we all need people to encourage us and motivate us and yeah. um you know those kinds of things but yeah there's just something really beautiful and really magical that happens when you're just really invited and allowed to just be you absolutely yeah, well, hopefully I did that when you first walked yeah. in. Hopefully that was the space. Um, but, yeah, I think 
uh, it's an interesting space because I want to tie this into, um, you know, uh, I, it makes so much sense in my head because I feel like everything merges, it merges together with how um, I look at just human beings. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think on the same side of that, uh, I think uh, humans, we, we typically have the, we like to carp- uh, compartmentalize these different sections or areas of our lives. Yeah. So, um, you know, like I'm one way when I'm coaching, but I'm another way when I'm at home with my family or I'm another way when, you know, what those things are, right? And I think that coaches, you know, commonly can kind of do that. And so I think on the same side of that, I wanted to connect that um, with uh, coaches like around. And I think why, again, I thought this power, this conversation uh, would be so powerful for people to listen in on um, is when I stopped doing that when I was younger and like uh, actually like matured into understanding that in all areas and also especially coaching in those type of roles, uh, the impact that, you know, uh, coaches can be having on players and things like that as well is that connection from the same side of that is literally what you were just talking about right. and how that leads into um, how that leads into, you know, athlete, not only just performance, because I think when we look at athletic performance, we separate that from just humans walking through life and what we would call performance. We like to connect that with athleticism or some type of sport. But mm-hmm. in reality, I think, um, you know, I, I think there's obviously uh, athletes are just humans. <laughs> and I would and hope so. Yeah, I would hope so. Yeah, they're not aliens. Um, they could be. You know, yeah, I mean, that actually makes sense. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> um, and, uh, but I, I, I think on the same side of that, you know, um, the conversation that we're having as well is, it, it's part of the what I would call like your coaching tool belt, right? Which is another aspect that you know we coaches really need to dive into. I know Absolutely. in baseball it's well underdeveloped, and it's not a it's an area that's being more adopted, and it's been more adopted now than it's ever been. Um, but it is an area that we're still like again. I want to normalize these conversations. Yeah. Um, of what you know, again, there should be these conversations constantly all over the place. You know, um, so you know, sp- uh, speaking into that um, as well. Um, I know one thing that a lot of people, I think, um, like, I, I don't think I've ever said this, Tay, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I don't think on a, uh, a podcast that I've said this yet, but um, I've been seeing a therapist for a little over two months. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason, the same thing, too, is one of the reasons I wanted to talk about that is I think something that's hi- like highly not, like not talked about largely is that typically uh, you're how society would view your like high producers or your whatever that would be, um, you know, successful people. Yeah. Are, are, a, are like a type A kind of person. Yes. That like, there's no way, right? Like those people don't go to therapy or, or you know, you only go to therapy yeah. when something is wrong yeah. or there's a major trauma that is right. happening in your life. And that's the only reason. Um, and I know obviously my experiences from being around Taylor um, and also just again, being in that space that that is, so far from the truth in the opposite way. And so um, in any case, I wanted to throw that to you as well, just kind of open that up uh, to normalize that. When I know that's so normal for you because that's your right. world, but someone that is not in that space has no idea, especially because so many of those type A's mm-hmm. are hiding that they're going to therapy or that they're seeing someone or et cetera. Yeah, um, I'd like to think, so there's still definitely that stigma that exists. I'd like to think that things really are shifting just us even having this conversation today and talking about it. Um, And I think it's interesting how, um, you know, certain clients that I talk to or other people 
particularly my own clients, they'll say things like, what? <laughs> Kim, you you have a therapist? Yeah. Absolutely. Like, yeah. just to normal, like you said, normalize that conversation. Mm -hmm. Yes, your therapists have therapists. I mean, at least I would hope so. Yeah. Um, and it was interesting. I would recently heard that um, someone said that's a sign of a good therapist, mm -hmm. like, quote, unquote, a yeah. good therapist has their own therapist. Yeah. Um, the reasons why a lot of us are good at what we're at, what we do is because we truly do understand mm -hmm. in some way, shape or form, mm -hmm. either exactly or like I said, some way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. And, and you uh, believe in it, obviously. Right. It's like why you'd want to go to a therapist is um, it's because you obviously participate and you have your own you mm -hmm. know, someone else that you point to. And that's yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I never ask my clients to do anything that I wouldn't be personally willing to do mm. or already are doing or have done. Yeah. Um, and those high achievers, I've I've observed that there's usually something that they could be overcompensating for. Mm -hmm. And as time goes on, if you're not unpacking it, like you said, mm -hmm. then if there's a major shift that happens, yeah. then... Um, that could be very detrimental yeah. to those achievements. Mm -hmm. No, that's a huge, literally a huge piece. Um, me and Taylor have talked about that before, um, is literally what you said. Like one of the reasons I felt like was a fuel for me of like why I've achieved so many things was out of places, you know, again, like I didn't realize how motivating my traumas were, right? Absolutely. Major they motivators. Are. They're major motivators. And um, again, like you said, right, as I started to remodel and heal from those mm -hmm. things, well, now there's a shift in my motivations and if, am I motivated? Like, am, you know, and again, mm -hmm. where are these rooted in good places? And I think, um, what I struggled with, um, as well, it, and, uh, for example, we, we talked about this a, a couple podcasts ago where I was talking about when you take in athletes, like, let's say like Kobe Bryant, or you take mm -hmm. in like Michael Jordan and you listen to some of these guys talk, um, it gets so normalized. Um, in society that's like, oh, I want this Mamba mentality or, you know, like they want these mentalities that these guys have. Mm -hmm. But also, too, like you said, if you when you actually listen to them, I'm interested. Um, and again, I don't I, I don't know how many uh, just from your perspective, because I've okay. I've listened to some of these high performers. Right. Which you've had a lot of experience yeah. with these high performers. Right. But I listen to some of these high performers talk. And when I used to listen to them, I would be like, wow, they're so dedicated. They're so X, Y and Z. Mm -hmm. But now a lot of times when I listen to them talk, it's like I start hearing the trauma that's behind, yeah. right? Or the insecurity that's behind. Or, for example, I, I'll, I'll say this for uh, to clarify that, like flesh that out, is like, um, you know, there's certain like stories. Like you'll hear like Kobe Bryant, for example, he'll say, you know, I'll be in the gym and somebody would come in later, right? He would get up in the morning and let's say he's at the gym at 4 a.m. Somebody would come in at 5 a.m. and then he would stay until that person left, so that he could prove and that person would know that he worked harder than them, right? And again, when you're a normal person's hearing that, they're like, wow, he's so yeah. this, right? But then when I listen to that, I'm like, okay, yes, I, 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 I understand why you perceive it that way, but also there's an underlying reason there that mm -hmm. that's not normal, right? That's not how, right. and again, some people will be like, yeah, but that's why he's so elite. And I'm like, I agree. That's like, he is elite, but why is he elite? Yeah. Um, and not and necessarily like glorifying um, that there might be some underlying issues mm -hmm. uh, that are, you know, there that, that talk about those things as well. But, yeah, could you kind of open that up 
uh, when it comes into uh, maybe what's glorified, may, maybe in like society from these like high achievers, and sometimes like we're we're glorifying some mental health issues that these people might have as well. Yeah, um, when you were when you were speaking about that, it my brain went, what? Who is he trying to pr- uh, prove that to? Mm. Is he trying to prove it to this stranger or, um, you know, this person like X over here? Mm-hmm. Um, that's on the surface level. That's what it seems like, or at least yeah. that's the story that we're telling ourselves or other people. For sure. Um, but there's typically, almost always, yeah. they're going to be, there's this unconscious trying to prove themselves to someone else. Yeah. Whether it's in their past, um, well, it's typically going to be in your past. Yeah typically going to be some kind of caregiver not always not to bring up the whole childhood stuff um yeah but which is a big deal yeah and (laughs) we want to run past kids it is a big deal absolutely yeah we repeat those patterns our brain will continue to um repeat things that didn't quite get that resolution that Mm. it very much needed yeah and so we'll consciously or unconsciously do that yeah i i I think a, a big point um and uh take away from the, the person i know people have uh contrary views on him but uh i think i was listening to jordan, P- uh, jordan peterson talk about this specifically when he just was talking about um you know talking about traumas and he's mm-hmm. like your brain um there's a fear that it was built and then the reason that it holds on to that fear is because it believes it to still be true today mm-hmm. so if there's a, a a past um you know a past hurt or something like that not really helped me with traumas and things sure. that i i'd worked through even with uh my therapist is like I, the fear that I had in those moments that were like crystal clear. Because one thing, um, and I'm sure again, obviously you can share this in much more detail, is you know I know for me and my experiences and just what I've learned um, as I've learned more about traumas and how our brains um, um, internalize or adapt to them yeah. is like it. it uh, typically, the traumas are attached to obviously very strong emotions, mm-hmm. um, and also to uh, it's kind of a red flag or way to identify these traumas or things that have happened in our lives. And I think Bianca, and correct me if I'm wrong too, Taylor, uh, when she describes it as a trauma is anything that changes the way that you look at yourself or how you perceive the world, right? How you perceive yourself or how you perceive the world, yeah, I think was I her definition. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, I think an also another uh, telltale sign for me to identify some of these things were as well is like when I looked back, uh, those moments were like crystal clear. I could all the senses came back. All I could tell you what was on the TV. I mm-hmm. could tell you what the room felt like. Crazy, right? I could, yeah, I could feel like yeah. I'm still in that room when it was, you know, 20 years ago or something like that. And um, I, I think on the, that same side of that, uh, you know, I kind of want to throw that back to you too as well. Is when it comes to, I think we throw around the words like trauma, 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 sure. trauma. Um, but from your perspective, because like again, when Bianca said that to me about like you know how you perceive you know yourself or how you perceive the world i think that also brought a lot of clarity on what a trauma actually was and how i could identify it right yeah i always explain trauma because like you said a lot of people can turn away from that Mm -hmm. and say oh well you know i had a great childhood this or that or no nothing like that ever happened to me so it's kind of a two-parter for me um i um a long time ago i heard it described as there's trauma with a capital t and then there's traumas that uh, with a lowercase t, mm. with a smaller t. And so your capital T is just going to be your major 
ones that you might think of. Yeah. But then you have those lowercase t's. Yeah. Um, and those could just be very small, um, very little things, yeah. maybe to a lot of people that are in, it seems insignificant or um, generally it seems insignificant. But for you, it was coded as significant. That and um, I always describe it as um, just stress. Like I interchange the word sh uh, trauma to anything that causes significant stress mm. or um, just a stressor. Like yeah. there's some things that are good stress. Like we want to yeah. have a certain level of stress. For sure. And just depending where we are um, and what we're able to take on and handle, sometimes we're able to take on a lot of stress. Yeah. Um, but other times a very minor, seemingly minor thing just yeah. seems like the biggest catastrophe in the world. Yeah. And, and again, to give clarity and an example of that, like, for example, um, you know, like the one that I w would go back to a lot was uh, I had a baseball game um, and I was trying to perform for my dad mm -hmm. um, and I hit like two home runs that day. What? And so I was like, yeah, that, my dad didn't yeah. respond that way. So, okay. okay. So we're getting there. We're getting there. Yeah. So I got home. And uh, my dad was watching a Giants game. I remember him sitting in the chair, looking at the Giants game. I'm sitting on the bed next to him, and I'm, like, telling him how my game went. And I could tell you everything that's happened in the room. I could tell you his eye contact. I could tell you all these things. And I was probably 12, mm -hmm. right? Um, and uh, also, I think it's also amazing because the other side of this is as I've healed more and more from this moment, because I'm going to kind of clarify that in a moment, is – I'm losing details of that moment hmm. as I feel like I'm healing from it. Interesting. Right? <laughs> and so, um, but when I go back to that moment, right, um, and we, I actually, you know, went through this, because one of the main reasons um, I went to my therapist before I kind of get into why that moment was so significant mm -hmm. for me was when I went to uh, my therapist, you know, and they, you know, typically we had the conversation, well, well wh why did you, like, it's the first time I've ever gone to therapy, Right. Um, and also, no one in my family has ever gone to therapy. It, it would be. Uh, I feel that. Yeah, you know, it, sh uh, it was. It's it's not normalized at all. Yeah. Um, same for me. Yeah. Right. And so, um, because of that, on the same side, it's like he's like, you know, well, why did um, you know, why did you choose to come to therapy? And I just more so, it's like, well, I mean, I think on the same side of that, um, I'm very interested and I'm curious about myself. Mm -hmm. One and my motivations, and also two, I also know that. Um, who I am has gotten me to where I am today. Absolutely. Um, but also at the same time, you know, what is holding me back from where I'm, I want to go yes. and also how I want to interact and live my life. Um, I know there's things that are, there's chains, there's, mm -hmm. there's things that are uh, confining me um, that I keep running into these walls. Mm -hmm. um, and these, there's these reoccurring things that I see these bigger patterns. Um, and I have awareness that, you know, again, like I've read a lot of books on, uh, on traumas. I've let, I read a lot of books on, on um, how our brains internalize these things, and also, have, I you know I talk to a lot of therapists on a, mm -hmm. on, on a continuous basis. I have you know a best friend that's really involved, and you know tells me you know again we we've had a lot yeah. of these conversations, um, and so uh, because of that, like I was able to identify like these moments and these things that again, if I wouldn't have done that work and wouldn't have that awareness, that I wouldn't have clarified them or classified them as traumas awesome. or things like that, right? I mean, you know, it's not awesome, but, but awesome at the same at time. At the same time, yeah, and. And so when I, you know, talked to him about that, I was like, hey, like, you know, and also, too, you know, I understand that my business, and again, if you're a coach, like, your program can't grow bigger than you. And what I mean by that is, like, mm -hmm. your leadership 
on the same side of that. Like if I don't grow, the people that I'm pouring into um, on the same side of that, like they're not that I'm their only factor that causes them to growth. But again, the same thing, if I'm leading them and I want us to go to a higher point, like I got to continue to grow. Absolutely. Um, and also normalize on the same side of that. How am I going to tell my player that they should go see therapy, you know, go to therapy and how important it is for their performance and all these things. And then, like I said, obviously, I'm, I'm not taking those things on. Um, so in any case, like when I go back to this moment, like because, again, I think a lot of coaches or somebody might say, like, mm -hmm. how does that moment you know, why does that affect your performance? What, what, why would that, my childhood, why, why are we talking about my childhood right now? I'm struggling with X, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I want to be first testament to that, of, of testimony from that same side is like, as I've healed through a lot of these things, uh, my performance has skyrocketed mm -hmm. in certain areas that I'm very aware of um, that were really holding me back. Um, and one of those things specifically, and the same thing is like, like you said, is one of my biggest achiever, you know, like why I became an achiever was because I was trying to perform for my dad mm -hmm. um, and I wanted to make him proud and I wanted him, you know, and I was, I had these, this uh, idolization and these things with, with uh, my dad. Um, and I, I spent a large portion of my life to this point um, trying to achieve that. Um, and I'd still catch myself at times, obviously slipping into those, uh, those areas. I'm like, Oh, and then, but I'm just aware of it, more aware of it now. Um, and so because of that, it, I can get distracted from what my true performance or mission or whatever that is Absolutely. goal, uh, because I'm trying, there's this, you know, bigger, you know, underlying subconscious drive that I'm trying to fulfill or, you know, whatever, how I kind of process that. Um, and it was getting me distracted and off path uh, and I kept hitting ceilings and mm -hmm. I, you know, couldn't get past certain areas of growth, uh, because I, I needed to go backwards so I could go forward. Wow. Um, so yeah, I mean, just to throw that in, I just wanted to connect that with an audience that, especially I think men in that same way, and especially like, just like you said, that, that, that comment of like, well, why are we talking about my childhood? Like I'm yeah. having a problem now, you know, right. and that, what does that have to do with any of that? Is that, again, I just wanted to put that story out there and normalize that, that again, when I went backwards, right, and we did go through these things and I figured sure. out for the last, you know, and the relief and the, the, the weight that comes off of my shoulders and the weight for you as a man that yeah. can come off of your shoulders, mm -hmm. um, you know, by doing those things and taking those steps um, and having those conversations that feel uncomfortable or vulnerable or right. X, Y, and Z, um, how powerful that can be for what you actually want um, and the things that you actually are trying, you know, the father you want to be, the coach you want to be, the, pr you know, professional achievements or things that you might, you know, or be chasing after um, that they're all interconnected. Um, sorry, I know that was like a little tangent, but I, I felt like that was important. Me and Taylor talked about that, about on the same side of that, that I, I feel like in the space, um, a couple of things that you said that triggered mm -hmm. that is how not normal um, it is inside, especially I feel like inside of baseball. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like a lot of people would presume that I would not be going to therapy or that there's a something uh -oh. wrong yeah, gotcha. if I'm going to therapy. And I think on the same spot of that, I wanted to point that out, but like, no, 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 like, me, me too. Like I go to therapy again. It's amazing. It's done amazing things for me and all those things. And I wanted to advocate that, you know, put on that back uh, to you as well. Yeah. You know, what's so interesting about what you said is earlier you said that um, we tend to compartmentalize. Yeah. So something that I've learned is um, like the typical like male brain, man mm -hmm. brain. Mm -hmm. Um, you all are really good at compartmentalizing, yeah. almost enviously. So there's like pros and cons to that, right? Yeah. 
Um, so there's a pro because you can go, f you can shift from role to role to role yeah. um, and not really let, for the most part, mm. um, let too much affect you. Yeah. But there's a con because those roles can be so, or certain, certain thoughts and roles can be so divided um, mm -hmm. that certain areas uh, fall short. I think yeah. you understand what I'm saying. No, 100%. But then you said that you've been able to make these connections mm -hmm. and integrate yeah. all of these things. So mm -hmm. are we compartmentalizing or are we integrating? Um, yeah, no, she, she just clinically broke me down. I did. Um, I did that. Yeah, no, but I do think I, uh, like, I think, and again, to, to flesh out literally how I see it in, in my brain, is that I get there is a time and a place where um, let's say I'm at work and something really frustrated me. Right. And instead of me expressing, you know, in uh, a way that right now I can't healthy, like in a healthy way, express how I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. Maybe I need to go home and like I need a journal and I need to talk to someone and I need right. to uh, do all those other things. Right. Um, I think that like you're saying, like that can be obviously um, a major pro, right, is like learning those skills of how to process those feelings that I'm having and not just because, again, I think what happens a lot when people are just purely compartmentalizing mm -hmm. is what they do is um, Taylor describes it um, a lot. I love this analogy that she uses. It's like it's like dirty laundry. Like you throw dirty laundry to the side, you throw it to the side, you throw it to the mm -hmm. side, you throw it to the side. But at some point you just got a massive pile of dirty laundry that yes. you haven't dealt with. Um, and especially like, you know, again, along with it, then it starts to leak into other areas of my life. So let's say I'm having professional frustrations that I'm not expressing to my partner or I feel like I can't talk to anybody about or because when I was younger, um, you know, my dad told me I couldn't have any feelings and I need to man up and I need yeah. to, uh, you know, stop being a B and whatever X, Y and Z. Real thing. Yeah. These are things that, you know, again, a lot of men have had these experiences okay. or they need to push. Hey, you need to man up and push these things to the side, yeah. which. There's some truth to that of like within that of in the sense of, hey, like right now, again, like it doesn't mean that I need to never go readdress right. address those feelings. Uh, but there is a thing where, example, like I, I get it from a uh, from a sports standpoint. Let's say I'm in the middle of a game or mm -hmm. something like that. Right. There's a lot of things that are happening throughout my day, throughout my game, throughout practice, throughout whatever experience, you know, at work. Um, there's a lot of things that are happening, um, you know, throughout. Um, that I might need to look back on and unpack um, when I'm in a different setting or in a different Absolutely. different thing. But I also think that literally what you're saying is like how I view it is if we start to compartmentalize, let's say, let's say I keep all my bad things in the closet, right? This, there's, there's this other room that I hide all my mess in, right? Mm -hmm. And I keep shoving things into that closet. Well, yeah, for a little while. I can get away with it. And sure. how and how big is my closet? Maybe my, maybe I got a massive room that I'm throwing some of these things in. But at some point, right? Like at some point, some of us I feel like have a, a bigger closet, some of some of us have a smaller closet, but at some point that capacity like it starts it's like um I always think of it like poison, mm -hmm. right? It's like that poison like builds up um and then I start spewing that poison everywhere and then I project it on other people and I hurt others and you know right. trauma causing trauma hurt people hurt people like yeah. all those things start to do with that and I think that that's the thing um is that there is a you know uh I can't in the middle of my day 
um, at every moment I get frustrated, sit down with a therapist, right? Right. Um, it's unrealistic. It's not realistic, right? But at the same time, it's also not realistic to not unpack those Absolutely. things either. And I think that that's how I visualize it. I have had learned to visualize it in my head with those connections and those car uh, compartmentalizing um, is there's like a duality um, like you were kind of describing that, you know, with it that I've learned to you know, yeah. create a little bit more. I always say that, you know, there's a time and a place. Mm. Um, like you said, when you're in the middle of a game, no, you can't just, um, hey, Taylor, yeah. um, I'm having a problem. Can you help me? For sure. We can't do that. For sure. I mean, I guess you could. Yeah, but I'll have I a little earpiece, <laughs> you know, buzzer in. I got it for sure. Um, so in those moments, that's when we need to go back. And you said this word earlier, our tool belt or mm -hmm. our toolbox. Yeah. And um, bring out a different kind of tool mm -hmm. in that moment. Mm -hmm. And so we have like our quick go to mm -hmm. tools in those moments. Mm -hmm. But then um, we have talking to a therapist or yeah. journaling. Yeah or um, going for a run or yeah. whatever those things look like mm -hmm. to get those out because mm -hmm. that that kind of energy lives in our body yeah whether we realize it or not those mm. aches and pains yeah um you know those are signals mm. to you um that it's not just a physical thing yeah. like our emotions can be stored um physically yeah. too well and i think you uh, one of the great points, and I think I, I think as a man, like I, I think a, a big thing that I've come aware of, and I think it shows up obviously men in the sense of I think uh, kind of learned more that typically how women show anger is mm -hmm. usually different than how men express sure, anger yes. in general. Um, obviously that could be internet. Yeah, but blanket statements. Yeah, blanket statements in, in general. But um, I know I've started to realize that again, my anger, frustration, all these other things typically show up for me as a secondary, you know. A, it's typically a secondary emotion for me when I haven't been able or I haven't um, unpacked other emotions mm -hmm. um, or I haven't unpacked other things. And that becomes the response um, of, you know, laundry that I haven't unpacked. And again, the poison that I now start spitting out um, with those things. And so I know for men in the same way with that, mm -hmm. it's like if, if you are and I know that this is for me is like it is like a, an alarm system for me or like an awareness system for me. That when I'm starting to be again, obviously easily angered, and and it, to me, obviously, um, from more of like a biblical lens of like not showing the like fruits of the spirit, right? In that same way, that like when I don't have self control, when I'm not patient with people, mm -hmm. um, when um, you know, I, I'm not I'm not trying to help. I'm you know I'm I'm getting um, self absorbed. It becomes I I I like all these things start happening. Sure. Um, that those like are alarm systems for me. That there's probably something underlying that I haven't dealt with. Yeah. And even if I don't know what that is yet, that awareness or that alarm system says, hey, like I need to look closer. I need to go underneath the hood a little bit and figure out, you know, what's, you know, what that is. And maybe again, maybe that's with a friend. Maybe that's with my therapist. Maybe that's me journaling. Maybe mm -hmm. that's, you know, me, um, uh, you know, even just sitting and meditating and, and, and trying to feel, you know, you know, trying to feel something I've maybe suppressed or something like that, which is a skill set. Um, it in a sense very of, much is. For sure. I'm impressed right now. Oh. You're so self-aware, Joey. No, sometimes. Wow. Sometimes. Don't, don't give me too much credit. <laughs> for sure. Um, but yeah, no, I think that that's uh, um, a thing. And I was going to say that with, um, I know that with men, and I just want to speak about, just speaking about that specifically mm -hmm. with that is, um, I think that it's what has been normalized that like, oh, men are just typically, they get angry or they get frustrated and that's normal. 
it's okay. It's normal to get angry and frustrated. And again, obviously there is like, it's okay to have feelings, but on the other side of that is again, like, I think there's something deeper, um, that typically I know for me personally, um, of that being like a secondary emotion, um, that there's other things that I might be frustrated about or uh, upset about, um, that I haven't been able to talk about or express. And I know that especially for, uh, a lot of men in general where they've been told, um, you know, the man up or these other things, they Work haven't even learned those mm-hmm. skill sets of like, I can go home and journal and, f- and try to feel whatever emotions that I'm having or unpack it with a friend or have friends around me that are also in those awareness yeah. spaces and that can help me uh, from their own mountain or viewpoint that they can tell me what's going on and what they see from their side. Um, but again, along with that, I know that a lot of people don't have the, haven't I, like that took me a lot of work to build those t- that tool belt mm-hmm. and those box that tool belt uh that toolbox um with a lot of really smart people that are a lot of a really aware people around me um uh to do and also to mentors and books and all those other things um but i just wanted to bring that up too that like you don't need I, one thing i say to a lot of people all the time is like you don't need to live your life this way like you don't need to live your life angry. You don't need to live your life resentful. You don't need to live like that. It might have become normal to you, right. but it doesn't mean that it needs to be your normal. You know? Yeah. Um. So a couple of things that you said. So just responding to the last thing that you yeah. said, where you said that it doesn't have to be your normal. Um. We will make <laughs> excuses for lack of a better word. Um, like I've always been this way or everyone in my family mm. is like this. Yeah, or yeah. This is just how I was we called, taught. It, we called it the Cunha temper in my house. You like that one? Oh. Yeah. It got associated with my last name that we are all just supposed to have a temper, a yes. temper because it was in the Cunha. So those yeah. things just reinforce mm-hmm. um, exactly what you just said. Mm-hmm. And while that may be a thing, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't have to be. No. Um, they just it gets reinforced um, exactly. and then so going back to when you're saying that anger um, can be a secondary emotion so particularly with men mm-hmm. um, and it doesn't have to be men you could yeah. have just been raised in a household um, worked with a lot of women yeah um, who also have were raised this way mm-hmm. so but with Typically, men mm-hmm. and growing up, there's only two emotions that are okay mm-hmm. to display. Mm-hmm. So you named one of them. Yeah, I'm interested in the second one. Go ahead. What do you think it is? Um, if you had to guess, I know that's what I'm interested because in, I uh, it, maybe it's bad because my household anger was good, <laughs> um, um, was okay. Um, it's that. Oh wait, no, sorry. Oh. Well, I, 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 I would just say, like, n- normal and, like, mm-hmm. angry. Like, whatever Correct. that is. Correct. Yes. So, content okay. and angry. Sense. Got it. Nothing else. Because yeah. if you try to show anything else, yeah, uh, it gets shut down. You 100%. get called out. You get called names. Mm-hmm. Um, you get punished in some way, shape, or form. Yep. Um, you had said something earlier, but it also made me think that, I also think it gets rewarded, right? Like, for example, like, what I mean by that is, like, t- men, because we're, like, in a lot of si- situations where, like, let's say a man gets a a, a tone or angry or this mm-hmm. thing, like, a lot of people will submit, right? And yes. so there's there's a, I get what I want, 
when I get angry, I get what I want. Right. When I throw a tantrum, I get what I want. Mm -hmm. And so subconsciously, I feel like on the same side of that, like men a lot of times get rewarded uh, when we, again, um, speak louder or mm -hmm. some of these things that are like innate, like, you know, like call it like our, you know, our monkey brain, you know, like mm -hmm. that, that same thing, those, those spaces, which I've heard from the opposite side. Um, and again, obviously, again, men talk, do these things as well. So I wanted to bring this up, but also uh, predominantly what I've uh, experienced and read about where like uh, if you're a lot of women, when they showcase uh, anger and ex they express aggression or things like that, mm -hmm. a lot of times it gets expressed in different ways. Like, for example, like reputation destruction, gossip, like, you know, like they, they, you, go, you go down more the passive aggressive. Yeah, more passive more aggressive passive. Or, or ways that they actually really do have leverage. Like, let's say um, on the same side of that, like if you're in a partnership and you're really mad at your partner, you guys break up X, Y and Z and you go like do something with his best friend. It's like. Those are all like ways. Like get back behavior. Yeah, like get back or like you hurt me so I want to hurt you, right? right? And so it, they just show up in different ways. Um, and again, men typically because it's rewarded and because it is a way that we can we have leverage or something mm -hmm. like that is in those situations that not only are those other ways of expressing my emotions, you know, again, disciplined or, um, you know, not allowed to happen. But then I also, s from a society standpoint, get rewarded um, with what I want when I throw these tantrums, mm -hmm. when I get what I want, and also too, when it becomes, especially like a man that is more, um, bigger stature, physical, all those things, sure. like it's almost it's almost amplified because they get what they want even more often because they can the intimidation. Yeah, the intimidation factor, um, you know, or I felt like, for example, um, I felt like I got away with a lot of things. Uh, when I was younger, and this is a different direction, same thing with like things that were rewarded that I had to gain awareness on, um, is like, I, I think generally like I was like a little cute kid, okay. right? And so I felt like people let me get away with things yeah. like, and they let me, they let me uh, communicate certain ways and they let me be angry and they let me do these other things. Like, oh, he's so cute and da, 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 da. But also too, like that led me astray in a lot of areas that I had to do a lot of healing in um, because it was okay for me, but it's not gotcha. okay in general. And I think with all of those things, like again, what uh, forms kind of our personality or those other things can be off of rewards, obviously, and punishments and right. that kind of interactions, you know? Yeah. It's, um, it's always better to like when we're, when we're shifting that into changing behavior, so now that we've recognized this, we've gained awareness of all these things of how we've been re how um, not, I guess now unhelpful behavior mm. has been rewarded and reinforced. And we realize that we're adults, we're getting older, those things aren't working for us. Um, we may go back to those things mm. that we were originally taught, like that punishment, that uh, that discipline. Mm -hmm. We even will use the word discipline. I just need to discipline myself. Um, but really, <laughs> you just stepped on half the people's audience's toes right there with that one. Science. <laughs> well, you know, but really reward um, is what changes behavior. <laughs> so, yeah. What are we doing to reinforce certain things? Mm -hmm. So you may be getting rewards when you're yeah. dis disciplining yourself mm -hmm. because you get better, you get stronger, mm -hmm. um, so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, you just have to figure out what works for you. I can't, I can't tell you that, you know, you need to celebrate every little win. For sure. Like it's, it's def, we definitely need to have structure and discipline. Yeah. But just look at, maybe look at it as a spectrum. We don't have to always just go to the worst. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's good. I think the, the other part too, I think, uh, that I wanted with as well as like commonly, like as and I, I go back into the the coaching side here is uh, one of the best ways you can help your players to help yourself, right? And unpack uh, a lot of these things too as well is um, I think it's very often people come into these conversations and or um, and I think that's a good spot, right? Like it's like hey, I under I think it's a level of awareness to realize how you're affecting others or the impact you can have on others, positive or negative. Um, but I also think on the other side of that, um, a lot of coaches, uh, can come into this area of, well, Hey, I want to help. I want to help my players or I want to help my staff or I want to help my family or I want to, you know, I want to show up, you know, uh, well, not, I think that's a tier low, but it's like, you know, I want to do more for them, um, and help them get where they want to go or X, Y, and Z. Um, but I think a lot of times we can take that out as understanding like our role kind of in that, in that. Uh, way and I think the same thing with that is like you know if our players struggling you know with thing I, I always challenge myself with some coach somewhere could get that athlete to perform mm-hmm. right and uh, or for example like some therapist somewhere yeah. could connect and, and unpack like you know what's going on and so I always ch- challenge on the same thing is like like you said mm-hmm. right it's like in the beginning it's like I just you just having a passion of like watching humans right but then you you also interact you're like man like there's a way to connect with them and bridge that gap between where they are, you know, and, yeah. and those things and, and some of those uh, areas. But, yeah, I mean, uh, from your experience, too, do you feel like it's normal? Because I, I think from my lens, I feel like it's normal that a lot of people generally are going to project or generally are going to point and like it's them. I'm kind of want to help, but like rather than like they're necessarily coming like their first foremost thing is like uh that they're the problem or that Mm. they that they're there's it's it's them that it's typically i'm coming because my mom hurt me or uh my player won't do x gotcha or you know like that type of lens do you do you find that to be very normal like from your lens or you know again i'm just kind of going from my own experiences there but from you like from that sense what what do you kind of see when you know people generally you know come in that way and what's like typical and that your, okay. your, your lens yeah um it it can definitely vary um maybe someone who really doesn't understand mm. or have just have that understanding um they will see it as like this external thing that's happening this person is doing this thing mm-hmm. and that's causing me to be to have all of these problems so if this person would just do this then um everything will everything will work out yeah um but that's not always how it is sometimes there's things that we have to do but then on the flip side of that we may think that um if we just like myself like i if i just change this one thing then everything else will align i mean maybe but Mm -hmm. it might not just be you you have to take that like 50 50 approach while also recognizing that the only two things that you can control 
are your thoughts yeah. and your behaviors. Yeah. You can't change, you can't control your emotions, but what you can do is you can change either the things that you're thinking or the things that you're doing to then influence those emotions. Mm. Now, <laughs> if we go back to the two acceptable, if we're talking about men here, again, yeah. generally speaking, men. Yeah, um, keep me on track. You know, I'll, I'll start drifting. Yeah, <laughs> this is good. <laughs> Take a note. We yeah, got this. that's good. Um, if the, the, okay, those two acceptable emotions that content or anger. Yeah. Um, well, um, if there's something, if then we go back to anger is a secondary emotion, mm -hmm. then we have to start recognizing those other emotions that are inside of us mm. that, like you said, that we didn't get to develop because mm -hmm. they were shut down so early on. Yeah. And that's where reaching out, whether that's reading books, whether that's listening to podcasts, whether that's watching YouTube videos, mm -hmm. talking to a therapist, talking to yep. other people mm. who can help you identify those emotions, mm -hmm. what those even are, yeah, and then how to feel them. Mm -hmm. The I very thing that you were taught not to do. Not to do. And you know what blew my mind with that was, um, you know, I had a close friend that was struggling with PTSD. And uh, one of the things uh, that uh, their therapist had them uh, do is they had like a, like a worksheet, right? And like, let's say you say like yeah. sad, right? Well, that's like a, you know, emotion that people like they can identify with like sad, angry, like sure. these big emotions, right? But then on the chart, right? Underneath sad, there's like all of these other layers of yeah. what, you know, underlying emotions that, you know, you wouldn't even, th you, I, it, that started blowing my mind because again, along with that, it's like, I mean, maybe I tap into like two or three of those, but I'm mm -hmm. man, I would never identify that emotion as gotcha. X, Absolutely. you know, because I've never, had majority of the time not had those conversations um and also too i wasn't allowed they weren't rewarded they're mm -hmm. you know all those things like all together um and i thought that that was just so interesting uh, when i saw that chart i'm like man i would have never associated that emotion underneath anger or underneath you know these other things and uh just that chart like alone i was like man that just blew my mind let alone like uh i felt like i've done a lot of work where i can feel a lot of my feelings now but and then also too when i saw the chart i was like okay there's a lot more work for me to do in that area but also too how far i've come where i only need two of those major emotions sure. rather than you know not only the big emotions but all the underlying emotions that are underneath all of that as well um i think that's powerful as well because i think and again for um uh, be interesting for because uh, i felt like that was big for me mm -hmm. um could you kind of open up maybe there or, or tap uh, from that side of um kind of that with like those emotions because i think men right now are like okay well what other emotions are there yeah. i don't i don't know i don't understand i don't you know okay sad angry content well i'm not allowed to feel sad but i'm aware of sadness i have sure. other things but what other emotions are there i don't i don't understand why there's so much to unpack right mm -hmm. <laughs> even though that sounds yeah but go ahead yeah yeah i mean we could have hurt we could have disappointment mm -hmm. so that right there we could on the surface level we're expressing that in anger so mm -hmm. yelling mm -hmm. um blaming mm -hmm. um so there's jealousy mm -hmm. right um that could come from we could be expressing that in angry kind of way um but then let's see we have sadness mm -hmm. we have well i was thinking through like two like sorry i put cut, cut on the spot there but i was thinking like the same thing like of 
you know, you underneath those things, right? You got like, you know, like grief or, you know, you have, and, and again, it, it, you're sad, but it's a specific type of sadness. And right. it's, a, and it's also a specific type of healing or things that might help in that area. And that's where I think it's also important as you're kind of going through that of, um, identifying, you know, uh, what those things are. Cause you're just like, I'm sad. It's like, okay. Um, well, ab about what, you know? And, and then it's like, well, my grandmother just passed. Well, mm -hmm. okay. Well, that's a whole nother thing other than disappointment. Right. Like you said yeah. of like, well, I didn't get the raise that I wanted and I've been working really hard towards that. Right. And like, obviously how you unpack those are going to be very different. Um, and also the, the grieving process is I, one of the big things that blew my mind with like grieving, for example, I think typically people associate grieving with, uh, like death, right? right? But grieving shows up a lot more often oh, yeah. um, than, <laughs> which I know is normal oh, yeah. for you, but like that kind of blew my mind when I started thinking about the same thing too, is like how many, um, one thing I actually, uh, it was so interesting to listen to, um, a mother talk about, um, their son, um, leaving to go to college. Right. And like, mm -hmm. uh, I heard a therapist describe it as their grief is, is not so much about like loss of a person, but like a, they described it as like a role you play in somebody's life. Mm -hmm. And so for example, like, let's say, um, you know, that your son goes away to college and you've been their whole life, you know, you've been the caregiver, you've been there, all these things. And like how they, they call it like the, the empty nest mm -hmm. syndrome or whatever it's right. called. Right. Um, but like with that is I would have never identified that as uh, for, you know, and it doesn't have to be for everybody, a blanket statement, um, in some way that that being like grieving a role that you played, yeah. um, in somebody's life. Um, and again, you're going to, if you're going to process that, those feelings, right. That, that empty nest syndrome, like, um, if you don't identify that as grief, right. Or, and it, maybe it's not for you, but if it is that sure. for you, um, you know, uh, it's gonna be very hard to unpack that. Um, and I would have, again, the same thing with that is like, especially when you only, most people identify grief with, you know, death or, um, you know, with that. And then, uh, we don't generally, a lot of people don't process that very well. That's, a, it could be a major trauma that people have in their lives, um, that typically would change trajectories or could really rattle things, things up that then that's when people might, you know, might be a big T for you yeah. uh, there as well. Um, but I was just thinking like things like that specifically, um, too, as well, um, that that could be really hard uh, is like, and I, I think kind of what's to the point, like why I wanted to point that out was, is that we just think of these m big emotions, um, but we rarely go into some of those sub, you know, sub emotions, which I think is uh, really important when it comes to like the, the healing process, at least, you know, it's first identifying what's really going on, <laughs> so, you know. Yeah, and it's interesting. So you just keep bringing up all these emotions that have lots of layers under there. Yeah. I mean, they all really do. For sure. Um, but even with grief, they say that there's five stages of grief. Mm -hmm. um, and, I mean, now we know that they're not necessarily stages and they're not linear. Yeah, yeah. Meaning that... You flip-flop back and forth. Sometimes. Yes, you can move in and yeah. out. Sometimes yeah. you might get stuck in one. You get triggered and it brings up a very specific stage yeah. or something like absolutely. that absolutely yeah uh, yeah that's a interesting piece um yeah what do you think what do you think for for example um and i wanted to kind of give this to of like helping coaches with their tool belt um players obviously too right they have a group of you know uh, typically young men or young women right that are going through a pretty 
transformational time mm -hmm. in their lives, right? Even if you're youth or if you're college or even, again, I, I deal with a lot, too, of, like, professional athletes. People think professional athletes are all of a sudden not humans or something. Um, but on that same side, um, what would you say, like, I, 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 I know we talked about this a little bit uh, prior where I was saying, like, I had at one point put together, like, an essentials course uh, for hitting coaches with youth athletes. Like, hey, I get it. Like, I could be nerd, biomechanics, like, you know, go into all these sciences, kinesiology and skill acquisition, all these things, and we can get super in-depth. But here's, like, hey, if I could go back and I'm going to coach, you know, like, these are these five basic things that have nothing to, you know, like, with that, I think of, like, what tool belt um, things that you think are just simple things that I think that uh, maybe that coaches could be aware of uh, or ways that they could help um, help their athletes or guide them through uh, some of those processes or XYZ. Yeah, let you open it up. Yeah, so whenever, whenever, um, when we are experiencing those big transitions like you were describing, college or transitioning more into the professional space with that, um, there is going to be a, there is going to be a grieving process that happens mm. anytime that we have a major shift like you said there is a certain level of grief that happens we go through the anger the bargaining the depression the acceptance and we'll, mm. we'll move in and out of those yeah um and so it could be really very helpful mm. for coaches to recognize that get familiar with you could just google five mm -hmm. stages of grief yeah learn what they are mm -hmm. um some things that you could do that could be helpful when you are helping um you know coaches who are helping yeah they could um just hold space they could be curious they mm -hmm. don't like i like we were talking about earlier it's not about what you say it's just about you being there and building that trust yeah. and um, making sure that your players have that confidence and that trust and rapport mm -hmm. um, in each other and yeah. you need that with your team you need that with your coach absolutely mm -hmm. if you don't have that then you know how can you have faith trust and confidence that um, it'll get you to that championship to yeah. that win yeah no I think that's a, a great point like you talked about I think Sometimes people think when it comes to those things, um, one thing that we brought up like right now, um, and again, if you're not aware, uh, definitely go look into some of these statistics. Um, me and Taylor talk about it, is, and Bianca has been very you know, adamant in this area that uh, mental health um, and, and the space of sports has been pretty extreme in the last couple mm -hmm. of years. I mean, in all mental health That's and, great. And, and, and large in the sense As of. It should be. Yeah, and, and so it's, it's been massive there, but also too, along with it, uh, you know, there's been a substantial amount of suicides that have happened throughout COVID and, and again, through some of these transitions and yeah. things that have been happening as well. And so one of the um, one of the big, you know, major things that I, get, I think along with that is that I think. Because obviously, like you'll know, say, it's like uh, something like that, where uh, I think it makes people internalize. Let's say if it's uh, they heard on another team that one of their players commits suicide and mm -hmm. it becomes national news. I think there's this large pressure that coaches can feel like they need to be clinical, right? That they can help at all. Um, and I just, I don't think that that, I, I, one of the things I was going to open that is like, that's why I love when you talk about um, the space and those things as well is like, hey, like at one point uh, there wasn't, like you, again, you go back far enough, there wasn't clinical anything. 
on that side. And yeah. it was, it started with it. Like what we're talking about is like, obviously there's a science, there's all these things behind it. Right. But there's also at its base root, um, it's, it's community and having relationships, Thank you. right. Good. With, with, with somebody. Um, and I think on the same side of that is like, uh, I wanted to oh, open that up that, that same place is where we can get like scared. Like, how do I even have that conversation? Right. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're talking about, um, you know, I know that, you know, for example, and especially in, um, you know, a lot of sports, there can be some really tough things, not only just these major transitions that you're talking about, but, um, I don't know if, uh, how many people remember when they're, you know, listening to this podcast, what, what it felt like to actually be 20. Um, oh but, geez. um, yeah, oh no. geez. um, is there, there's a lot of things that are happening, right. And, yeah. um, there's a lot of transition and there's a lot of self-discovery and there's a lot of, um, uh, back and forth and indecision and uh, confusion and um, also too like uh, you know for example I know a lot of times inside sport which would be really hard and I know um, there's certain sports uh, that this is more predominant than others but I know that I've talked to a lot of coaches too that have uh, where you know maybe an athlete struggling with their sexuality and and that is a lot of times can lead to some of these suicides and things because yeah. coaches don't know how to have that conversation if they should be having that conversation do they pass it off to somebody else what do they you know like there's just it, there there's a lot of confusion yeah. and also again obviously within the political climates and all those other things too what can i say what am i allowed to yeah. say what am i not allowed to say and then i think along with that it creates this massive void um where these conversations don't happen um, and so I think the reason I was just opening that up is, uh, I think a p- great example of this, and I, I probably hype her up too much, uh, but there's this coach, uh, over at LSU. Um, she's one of their assistant coaches and her name is Lindsay Leftwich. And she's like, I don't know how good of a coach I am, but I'm really good at loving our players. Aww. And, um, and so one of the things, um, I wanted just to point, um, her out for is I think she's such a great example of what it looks like, um, of what I'm talking about, like in practicality when mm-hmm. it comes into as a coach, it's it's not that it's always again head on. Maybe she's not the person that they're talking to about all these things, but again, along with that, there's also a lot of things, and it comes into like environmental that I think that she really provides uh, for her players. And one, um, it is a space to speak if they do want to talk, right? Love that. Um, but also with that being said literally like what she said i'm just really good at loving my players and i think on that that same side um it's also a place where if they don't want to talk and they want to just come and hit mm-hmm. great then that's what she does with them if it's um if it's hey um you know can we go and like you know it's a barbecue or it, it could have nothing to do with sport or or, or again on the same side of that maybe they're struggling with many things and they want to talk about one thing which is um i know for you know her and especially lsu's program in general um they have a large um uh i guess i guess would say foundation and faith like they again the same side of that um they have a big group of um uh, what's it what's the group called i think it's called uh, fca right yeah fca so they have like a large group of their team like goes uh on uh uh, just Christian athletes, and they and they endorse that and those things. Now, don't again. That doesn't have to be obviously mm-hmm. what they go. But I, my point is like these relationships that she has with these players. Um, I think one thing that we run past all the time is, and I think especially for men in the, the compartmentalizing as a coach, is well, I could be their coach, I can't be their friend, or I could mm-hmm. be a coach. I, 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 I can't I can't connect with them in this way yeah. because I'm crossing over a boundary here 
right? And again, obviously there is lines, there is things that we have right. put in place. Um, but also with that being said, I think sometimes it can come very like s- so distant and so disconnected. Yeah. I can't tell you how many coaches that I felt, uh, you know, again, like there, I, uh, there probably a, there's coaches I forgot because we never connected and I never, you know, I played for them, but we never had those relationships. Um, and again, there's a, a healthy, you know, those, those healthy spaces. Um, and I think one of those things going back to that original point of, it doesn't need to be clinical is Lindsay is anything but clinical. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, um, she's such an amazing resource for her players um, because of her mindset um, and also too, like how she shows up for them. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I just kind of wanted to open that as well as like, I think that a, a lot of times those conversations aren't happening because of all of these walls that have been put in place between mm-hmm. you and the athlete um, that I, some of them are need you know need to be there, but also two other ones have been put in place because we haven't had the real conversations that we need to have, um, or we don't know how to navigate. Um, which mm-hmm. is, I mean, just you know, the whole, the whole point of conversation in the first place is figuring out how to navigate. Yeah, I think I always say it's it's totally okay to um, when you're when you're having difficult com- uh, when you're having difficult conversations. Um, or nervous to have them, it's totally okay to tell that person, hey, I'm not even sure how to say this. Mm-hmm. I am scared. I am nervous. Um, I am worried mm-hmm. about whatever, yeah. talking about this. Um, but I do think that it's important. Like, that would be a good way to start that. Yeah. Um, and, and, um, you said something else. Just showing up as yourself mm-hmm. for coaches. Just um, I I use that a lot in my own practice. Mm-hmm. Is again, it's not always about. In fact, if you mess up, that is what makes you human. Mm-hmm. You're you're giving permission for those others around you to yeah. also be human. Hundred percent. If you're perfectly imperfect. Yeah. You know, people love that. If you're authentic and if you're just you, I mean, don't go out there, you know, hurting people by sure. being you. Yeah. There's certain boundaries in place. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as you're not hurting yourself and hurting others, then, you know. Place. Yeah. yeah. And, and this is one of the things, that, for example, like my uh, sophomore year in college, middle of the season, my dad dies. Right. And my coaches at the time, again, along with it, I would say to that point, we had a very relationship switch of what happened i remember sitting in the hallway and my mom calling me and like hey like where are you at and i'm like i'm at you know my you know sit in the hallway about to go to practice she's like you know like she asked me like where my girlfriend was at the time or this thing and i'm like i'm not at practice like like what's up like you know like i'm you're being weird like Mm -hmm. what's up um and like the day before um uh, my or sorry two weeks before that my dad had a surgery where there was like a 50 percent survival Mm -hmm. rate he survived the surgery. Everything was going well, yeah. all the things. Um, but then she called me that, like, when they took him off the um, coma, like, uh, medically induced coma, like, he didn't wake up. And so, basically, they talked about it. They didn't have enough blood, blood pressure in his brain at the time when he had surgery. And, you know, all these things, complications happened. Um, and that he was going to die. And so, um, along with that, I had um, – because, I mean, I, I think about this, right, is – with my coaches, right, that uh, especially them at the time, um, especially looking back now, like they had their own traps. They have their own, they're humans, right? right? 
they have their own like you know uh they were the same way that 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 you know man up xyz all these things and they held space for me um um beautiful i went i went in her office and like i cried um i you know fumbled it out what was going on um and those other things uh they asked me again what i needed um uh, they let me confine and just okay. talk. Um, I, I then also too, they gave me a lot of freedom in the sense of I flew home, um, uh, or or actually before that, a couple of weeks prior to that, before my dad had the surgery, they already had made space for me to fly home, see my dad, mm. uh, spend time with him, um, and then came back and we're in the middle of season, right? And then I flew into a city where they picked me up from the airport in our wow. SUV, right? Uh, so that they could, I could still go to the games and like, I still started, he asked me, he's like, do you want to play? And I'm like, absolutely, I want to play. Yeah. And so like, they again, gave me the freedom to do either of those things and made space. Um, I know, for example, another example of this, especially, you know, I'm using this as examples, like when I was in high school, um, my senior year, my dad was, again, was still battling this before I went to college mm -hmm. and um, it was really affecting me and I started acting out either behavioral mm -hmm. and all these things started popping up and um, also my school load at the time was pretty heavy um, and so they figured out a way like my um, school um, I think I don't know if he was a psychologist or you know what anyways at the, at the time that we I sat down with him and um, and he uh, we talked about that I had looked at my load that I was having at the time and I and I took two math classes to start the year well, they figured out within the curriculum, well, since I took two math classes, that mm -hmm. counted as a full year of math. Yay. So my second part of the year, I had now openings for two classes, yeah. and they lightened my load dramatically. Wow. Um, and, it, and again, things like that. What I, what I mean is like figuring out specifically, maybe as a coach or fleshing that out, is like um, there's this, uh, this other coach that I really admire. Um, he's in uh, Florida. He always says, uh, Randy Sullivan, he always says, uh, know your athlete. And mm -hmm. what it, I, I, he always takes that to so many different angles. But one of the things, same thing with that, is if you've already done also a lot of relationships of getting to know your athlete and you know, like, their schedule and you know, you know, what, you know, the things that they're committed to and what that looks like, if it's FCA, if it's, you know, where they're serving, if it's, um, you know, maybe all those other things. Like, I feel like y just like a good friend would, you know where you could serve them and where you could help um, and what might be adding more to their load. Um, and, and, you know, what that what would mean a lot to them. And, and maybe it's, um, you know, for me, I would say specifically as well with how I, I do things is I don't necessarily need like uh, grand gestures. Mm -hmm. Like for me, help is like, um, you know, bringing me food in the middle of the day because mm -hmm. I'll forget. Right. Like I just won't eat. Mm -hmm. um, it, it could be, uh, you know, again, someone helping me with my dishes at the house. Simple task. Right. Uh, because on the same time, those are things that I won't prioritize or I'll throw to the side. Yeah. Um, and those things mean a lot more to me than big grand gestures. Um, because to me, that is more of a grand gesture, you know, that it, it's, it's more impactful to me, but yeah. to somebody else might not feel that way. And that's why I think it's like specifically to like athlete to athlete or person to person. Um, that if you've also done your work prior, it's a lot easier to help when tragedy or these things come up of like how you can show up for that individual athlete or, you know, human in general. Right. And you made me think of something else um, that I also like to tell my clients. Mm -hmm. So, but I'm going to have you guess. Okay. How percentage wise. Yeah. Um, how, what percentage of communication mm -hmm. do you think is verbal? Ooh. 
verbal. From like um, zero to 100%. Where does... I, I, I've read some books, but I don't remember specifically. But Give me a number. I'm gonna throw out a number. I'm going to throw out 10. What? I'm going to throw out No one has ever guessed that on the first. Really? Well, I was, well oh I, my I, God. I've read some books. I, well, cause, and, and correct me if I'm wrong on this. You let me know. But um, isn't something like a large, a massive par- uh, part of a communication is visual, right? Mm-hmm. It's like it's almost a predominant. Hmm. Uh, communication method, like like body language, micro expression, yes. things like that. Yes, etc. Yeah, so ninety percent of our communication is going to be nonverbal. Got it. So, uh, yes, but I cannot for believe Joey my head that he was going to get it. Awful. he's going to get it. No, well, you know, and the only reason, just to be fair, the only reason I I I've looked into that okay. right specifically. Again, I do study a lot of things with the brain because oh. when we talk about like patterning. Right, obviously patterns and the things yeah. and like how the brain works. It goes in a lot of these things. And when I'm coaching, for example, if I'm verbally like assaulting them with all of these words, and it's like, yeah. okay, th- you know, like there's so many of my athletes that want like uh, she, a, a Taylor actually took, I think it was Taylor, I think it was Taylor or somebody would took one of our athletes, or maybe it was uh, somebody else took one of our athletes to um, our pro guys to mm-hmm. the ast- to the airport, and they had mentioned like, man, it's so cool when someone can demonstrate it in front of you and you can see the difference between two different movements right yeah and so uh for specifically like i think about that with the brain um on the on that same side of like how much again so many other ways to communicate Mm -hmm. um and then also more in tuned also i think also i'm just throwing out this for husbands uh you know on the same thing like you get into like love languages and all these other things right like there's so much communication you know like again physical touch you know gifts um you know like all those things of um quality time right you, you start going into like all these different areas where you can communicate mm-hmm. um how you feel which again for men is uh, hard mm-hmm. you know there's there's it could be um we're also communicating when we're not talking yes and 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 that is also a, a form of communication Absolutely. of like i need space or i don't want to talk or you know whatever that might be getting off a, a boundary or you know specifically in the situation but that's just to be fair. That's the only reason I really know. It's just like mm. again, there's so much overlap with like athletes, and I have to be able to pick up on when they don't. There's a lot of times too. Again, generally just humans, like um, especially in performance settings, especially because I train primarily men, mm-hmm. that they won't verbally communicate with me. Yeah. And so I have to pick up on like what they're feeling, yeah. frustrated when they're what emotions they're having, even if they don't know what emotion they're having. Um, and also too, as leadership, like within our own team, right? Like if someone's struggling with something or if something's heavy on their mm-hmm. heart or where they're at, um, I just have to pick up on those things a lot more if I want to be able to lead them to a higher capacity. So that's, that's just something I prioritize. So awesome. again, I, I get, I get why, yeah, in general, I would have never guessed that without, you know, reading and doing a lot of those things. So. Yeah. And you know, that's a skill set is to be able to identify, you know, lo- hearing a certain tone mm-hmm. in a voice, um, in someone's voice, or the way that their body shifts. Yeah. Are you having a conversation and sudden, like, with open body language? For sure. Like, arms open, you know, legs yeah. uncrossed, yeah. Um, face to face, and suddenly about? something <laughs> gets said, For and sure. then now, you know, you're closed off, and yeah. your arms are crossed, yeah. and your shoulders are hunched over. Yeah. 
And again, you know, this is, we're saying blanket statements. For sure. This can definitely vary depending on, you know, neurodivergence. There she is. I'm waiting for the nerd to come out. Yes. Yeah, neurodivergence and, um, you know, culture mm. and, um, you uh, know, just general anxiety things too. Yeah. I love, I love the, um, when I started, when I um, stepped into um, micro expressions, I think it's so interesting because they'll do that with um, um, like when they're doing interviews, right? Or there's these people now that are, you know, who knows if they're experts, but like you'll like on TikTok, it's like a real big mm -hmm. thing right now too, where let's say somebody's on trial and you can't talk to the defendant or something like that. And they'll go look at their micro expressions of like what their face does or um, if they're telling lies or they're not mm -hmm. telling lies and like the ways that we express motions through these, like what our eyes do and what, like, for example, you know, when uh, um, I, I, I connected with it originally because people would say like, you know, when you meet someone, it's like, you can just tell in the eyes, you can just tell in the eyes. I feel like um, that's so fake. <laughs> yeah. And so, but I, I do, I do think, uh, for example, um, I do really pick up on, um, I wouldn't necessarily, I don't know if they're micro expression, but mm -hmm. like you said, like just obviously bigger body languages for sure. Um, because uh, I would say the same thing. For example, um, I've done that just when me and you have been talking. Mm -hmm. um, I pick up on your body language, right? When I'm we're having interviews, right? I can I can feel uh, again the same thing. I can pick up like when you've yeah. relaxed, right? And like we're talking and having a conversation, or if you feel like um, like I'm interrogating you, right? You yeah. have a different posture, right, of what that looks like. And I'm right. about you know I um, while that becomes like largely subconscious for me now. Um, I'm still like aware of it. I'm like, oh yeah, I did pick up when, you know, like, you know, exactly like how you're sitting in the chair or something like that. Um, just, and also too, by talking to so many different people, but, um, I think it's a large thing as a skill set as a coach. Mm -hmm. And that's why I bring that up so much too, is typically, um, and I think this comes into like patterns or falling into these cycles is we're running in cycles because of how we, I, I call it like, again, like your movements or how you act, mm -hmm. right? is a mapping of how your brain, you know, s perceives that stimulus or what, how it wants to respond to that stimulus. And so I think on the same side of that, if we continue to view it the same way, we keep running in these same circles over and over and over again and keep running and, you know, feel like I'm chasing my tail or whatever that is. And so I think like on that same side that when we can alter, alter, like give an alternative, alternative, um, viewpoint or perspective how dramatically that can shift and unlock obviously major things which i think therapists really help with um is changing perspective um i had I, and the last thing i was going to add here is another way of looking at therapy that someone shared that i really liked is that it's like i'm not here to fix your problems mm -hmm. right the like, therapist was like i'm not here to fix your problems instead it's like you're on a mountain and i'm on a mountain that's why i said the mountain statement earlier you're on a mountain and I'm on a mountain and I'm just telling you what I see hmm. from my mountain of that might really be able to help you. Um, and so from that, you know, you got to fix your own map. Like what's going on? I can't even get over there. Right. Like I can't even get over there. Right. But I can, you know, we can talk through things. I can give you perspective. Um, you know, again, I can help you with, you know, these tools of things mm -hmm. that, you know, uh, and things I've developed on the same side of that. And maybe I, again, on the same side, how much I could help you, like, Again, maybe I'm a helpful resource for you, maybe yeah. to a certain degree, and then I got to hand you off to somebody else's perspective because I can't see it all either. Maybe That's somebody true. on 
that side Very true. and that mountain over there can help you the most on what's going on over there. Um, and so I think on the same side of that is like with athletes, um, I even started calling, I think you, you might find this interesting, is when I started working with athletes when they were hitting, I started calling it uh, swing therapy. Oh, yeah. And, and the reason I brought that up is because more often than not, like let's say somebody just does drills, mm-hmm. right, that I've given them. Let's say you give them a work, you know, that somebody, another therapist uses the same worksheet that you use. Yeah. But it's not the worksheet, right? No. Yeah. and It's I, not the tool itself. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that, for example, when we give away the drills and like, okay, you're going to get some of the results mm-hmm. for sure. But how I'm speaking with them and how I'm seeing their body language and how I'm seeing them move and how their body's interpreting what I'm talking about and their mm-hmm. perspective and all these things. Um, it's more therapeutic uh, from getting them to not like I have to remap how their brain is, you know, perceiving, you know, movement or these, this, the problem. Yeah. Right. Um, and then they move differently. Right. And they act differently. Yeah. So it's very like, I see a lot of correlations obviously in the sense of just general, um, actions of how people go about it. And that's why I started calling it more swing therapy than me being like, I'm not a swing coach. Um, I, you know, I don't, we don't just do drills. Um, I'm very involved in their personal lives. Um, you know, again, I take on a lot of those things. I want to know, you know, uh, what's going on, uh, what they're struggling with, especially I tell them all the time. I'm more so like a doctor or a therapist in the same way, right? That when things are going bad, that is what I'm, I'm a, a, I could be a great resource for you rather than you hiding your face from me or disappearing and not texting me or you've been struggling. It's like, that's when I'm like, that's when I want to help. You know, yeah, that's what I want. That's, that's where I'm growth happens. For sure. Um, of avoiding is so easy. Yeah. Um, but it actually, we think that by avoiding things, that it'll just go away. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, the dirty laundry. <laughs> yeah. But it doesn't. In fact, even though it's uncomfortable, those are the times that we we need to turn to people that um, you know, we do trust, mm-hmm. like a coach. Yeah. You know, that's a very special relationship. Yeah. And well, um, it, it can be it. It can be <laughs> it can be for sure. But the things that you're describing that you're able to modify mm-hmm. uh, certain things um, just by picking up on body language and certain cues. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. Yeah. Well, and I, I think that's one of the main reasons, too, that I wanted to have these conversations is like. Again, I think it's very easy for us to compartmentalize like, oh, like. Uh, one of the ways I look at it is like um, nature, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we come up, we have all these sciences that are around nature, right? We got geology and we got biology and we, we break, you know, we compartmentalize like all these things of trying to understand nature. But we got to understand that like nature doesn't know these sciences. We develop sciences to understand nature. And so when I, when I say that, when I, when I say that, for example, with an athlete, like it's not. Their body is, it isn't biomechanics, uh, uh, sports psychology, you know, your therapist, your mm-hmm. all these, you know, again, kinesiology, skill acquisition. Like these are like they're the human doesn't know the sciences. Like when I when I say that mm-hmm. or like how your body it's all of these things are at play at the same time. Right. Yeah. And so when I look into all these things, the reason that I like having these conversations and again, a lot of times these conversations don't end up happening is when I see those um correlations are over to like a a particular field is like man like that skill set is dramatic in my ability to be able to get an athlete to perform yes and so if we don't have those conversations and if i only go 
well, you talk to him about mm-hmm. those things. I'm going to stay in my lane and you stay in your lane. And that's kind of, again, while that is a step, at least sure. at least they're in the conversation, right? And that's part of the thing that really at one point and the, the best holistic thing is all of this interwebbing. And, yes, we have specialists and, mm-hmm. yes, um, all those other things too. But, like, uh, there's a book. I wonder if you read this book too. There's a book. It's called um, Range. You read that book? Mm-mm. So range is a book about basically being multidisciplinary okay. and um, how it's a skill set yes. in itself to um, in a lot of these different areas, um, you know, they go into some of those things. And so, like, for example, a lot of times I'll have these crazy, maybe innovative, maybe I don't, okay. know, if I, I don't know if everybody would describe it that way, but like I'll have these crazy insights, but it's it's very seldom from actually being in the space of baseball, mm-hmm. I'll go outside the space. Something will inspire me dramatically, and I'll Love see the it. correlation between the two. And then I'll I'll take those pieces and want to pull them back into baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, and that typically challenges and becomes innovative for the space, uh-huh. even though it might not be anywhere innovative for you. Yeah, because this is normal inside your field. But for you know, again, for a coach like we talked about in the beginning, right? Like it it's innovative. Um, inside the space of baseball, um, some of these conversations that we're having right now, right, um, just in the same sense of, well, why why should I need to know anything about therapy? And why should I even look into, for example, like I have right now, which is, again, I don't know this is a good thing. This is, this is probably uh, some of my childhood stuff, right? And you still bring the cheese. I don't know. Uh. You know. But um, it's uh, like I've read, like you, we talked about, like I've read a, a good amount of books on like, uh, therapy, trauma, all these uh, these are things. Yes, yeah, some of those things obviously are going to impact me personally. Um, but also, with that being said, a lot of some of those big motivators are um, I want my players to have best results as quick as possible. Uh, all those other things as well. Um, and I think that that's a um, that's a that's a piece that I've looked into or I've I've read in these other areas mm-hmm. um, because again, the same thing too. We're not if we keep having that same perspective and running in the same cycle mm-hmm. over and over and over again um we're not going to get anywhere right and I, I like to leave especially if i'm really struggling with something specific that i can't like figure out i'll stop working on it usually go to somebody that might be more inclined to that That's specific great. niche and then come back yeah um and and we need to do that so you just described insanity thanks for sure. so <laughs> <laughs> let's start the podcast with that Honestly, right there <laughs> me yeah. <laughs> uh, I like that, that actually makes a lot of sense <laughs> now we're talking about it so. yeah insanity is doing the same thing yeah. over and over expecting mm-hmm. different results yeah and um if we want something different we have to do something different mm-hmm. um so like bringing in things mm-hmm. from outside of baseball mm-hmm. and bringing it in and while from the inside that may look like insanity like yeah. those within mm-hmm. um you're you're challenging those things you're mm-hmm. challenging yourself you're challenging your players mm-hmm. you're challenging other coaches you're challenging just the limitations of baseball and um the field itself and break me down i saw you, i saw you circle something what, what did i say um <laughs> we um oh and before we move on to yeah. literally to your point on my window written in my office it says nothing changes if nothing changes that's why. And and that's uh that's something that is like important like statement to me. Um and I like you know again al- along with that it's just a reminder like again 
nothing changes if nothing changes. Right. I, you know, I, 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 I do need um, – and another one of my uh, – a powerful quote for me too is like um, the plan is everything. The plan is nothing. Mm-hmm. And I say that all the time as well as like um, I have a plan, right? And we go into that circle, right? But let's say I've, I've looped here and it's like this isn't working, right? And instead of just doing it over and over again or, again, projecting and saying, oh, well, you know, he that athlete's just not a good competitor or uh, he doesn't know what it's like to do this and he doesn't listen and he's not coachable and all, all those other things, too. I go back to that other statement of yeah. some coach somewhere could get this guy to yeah. perform. So I need to figure out and if I can either find a coach that can help me with that mm-hmm. or, again, somebody outside the field that can help me with that or, you know, a technology that can help me with that. Um you know, then let's let's figure that out. Wait, um, you don't know it all. Oh, um, well, I mean, uh, if you talk to the right person, <laughs> might say that I do. You know what I'm saying? Like in the ba- in a bad way, like oh, I got thinking knows it all. But no, there's definitely in that same space. Um, that yeah, like you know, uh, one of the reasons, and I guess we're just leading into my bumper stickers. Is the other thing is <laughs> I'll say is like I, I'd rather look dumb today than be dumb tomorrow, right? Mm-hmm. Which is like same thing. I'd I'd rather. Everybody in the room know I don't know something today, mm-hmm. um, but that's also too why I learn so rapidly is because I don't care. Like it, it again, I don't want to be in the crowd, the one not asking that mm-hmm. question or not, you know, having that conversation. Or I might say something that's wrong, but like th- again, we put too much weight in being right, um, and that's why I can speak. Sometimes people confuse my confidence in sharing information mm-hmm. with oh, like he thinks he's right, rather than me being like, no, I just don't care if I'm wrong, and that's. another place like if i'm wrong okay well like let's talk about it Mm -hmm. right and what am i wrong about and like oh that's really interesting blah blah blah, and i'll I'll move on but i think a lot of times that gets confused because typically the only people that talk with confidence right are the the ones that think that they're right rather than me being like i'm just okay if i'm wrong Hmm. right and and that's i heard another thing about confidence other day that i really pulled to is confidence isn't i know that they'll love me right it's i'll be okay if they don't and I think that that was like a big, like, oh, that, 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 one, that one hit her. <laughs> but when I heard that, like, that was shifting for me, right, of, like, that definition. Because sometimes, um, of course, like, we can all uh, fiddle with the line of confidence and arrogance and what that actually sure. looks like and those things. And I definitely have uh, uh, narcissistic tendencies, and I've fell into these things, and we all do, and these, these things of awareness. Sure. Um, and also, too, I've talked about this before, is – when you are uh, then put on platforms in some right or and you can hear a lot of this noise, good or bad, everybody's telling you you're the, you're the greatest and everybody's telling you you're the worst, right? And like obviously at different times you're going to hear more of one than the other. Um, and where you are, you're probably going to hear more than one than the other, even though they might be saying the same amount. Um, but again, along with that is, again, uh, Gary Vee talks about this a lot of not holding too much weight for either. Mm-hmm. And um, – I think on that that same side of like having that um that space where that was a, a clear understanding for me within confidence is like why that can get misconstrued is like hey I'm coming into this meeting with confidence not because I know that you'll love me right but that I'll be okay if you don't and that's why I'm confident it's a it's a different it's it it I know that my my confidence is not rooted in what you think of me mm-hmm. or that you love my presentation or that you love my you know, product or you love whatever I'm presenting or service that I'm presenting or X, Y, and Z. Um, and again, that isn't always like, again, even though I, that hits a heart thing with me, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't mean I always feel that way. Right. But right. It's, it's, it's a, it's a bumper sticker or a, 
um, slogan, mantra, something like that, that I can go back to a word that I can go back to um, that can recenter me uh, when I start to slip out of that, right? Where I start to, um, you know, uh, again, like, like to say for a trigger for me from my past of um, I'm trying to perform for somebody or I want them to feel this way about me. And I can, you know, when I start slipping away from that and I can have that awareness to, to go back to those things and say like, hey, like, okay, let's say that they said that you were the worst coach ever. Like, would you really, again, is, are you the worst coach ever? Or like, um, you know, on the same side of that, are, are, you, are, are you supposed to be someone that never makes mistakes? Is, mm. you know, is that actually true? Um, is, is it not okay? Again, do I have permission to suck, yeah. right? And, and I think that that helps me a lot on the same side of that. It's like, hey, like, for example, um, uh, this, I'm sorry, I'm going on a tangent. Um, is this one really helped me as well? Is when I started looking at, um, sometimes I started getting to this place of like, let's say people would coin me as like an expert or a guru or mm -hmm. whatever, right, in our space. And so uh, with that, I started putting, I started listening to these things, right? Yeah. And But that with that, you think that'd be a good thing in some ways, but there's an expectation that now comes on right. to those labels, right? And so um, it was like, I took myself permission away from making mistakes and uh, from uh, maybe I told a hitter to do something and it was wrong and you know what those things were and that started putting an enormous amount of pressure on me um, but then I had this realization like let's say you take the, the leading expert in the world on like knee surgeries right it isn't that it isn't that that he never makes a mistake on mm -hmm. a knee he makes them less often and also too on the same side of that he might also on the same side of that he might be the leading expert in the world, and he's most likely to perform some of the hastiest or the most aggressive type surgeries, and like he has this innovative thing that he does, and X, mm -hmm. Y, and Z. So then I started telling clients too, I hope you're not coming here because you think I'm gonna fix all your problems, right? Or that I, that again, uh, and again from my side of like, that I'm Jesus himself, and that yeah. I know every answer and everything, but instead that like, like right now, yeah, I might be, you know, maybe the most equipped mm -hmm. to help you in this area possibly but on the same side of that you finding rest in hey out of everybody like in the world right now i'm with one of the top knee surgeons in the world and if anybody could do it it's this guy but at the same time again i'm not a magic i don't got magical yeah. dust i can't tap your knee and all of a sudden you're healed right um and that again like uh what is leading knee surgeon today 20 years from now will be normalized yeah. and everybody will have this understanding right. to this. And so that obviously took an enormous amount, you know, of pressure off of me mm -hmm. um, in those same ways is like looking at it from those other perspectives and not putting all that weight. Uh, and that's why I, I, again, also like that um, mountain uh, analogy, the same thing too, is like, Hey, I'm just over here helping you with some perspective that I see yeah. skill sets and healings and things that I've had as well. That's what makes you, from what I'm hearing, um, so great at what you do mm. is, um, and it's it's a similar lens that I operate from. Um, you know, I don't promise anything, mm. um, but just coming to a space like unknowing, mm. like knowing what you do know yeah. and having learned and being willing to learn more. Because once we've labeled ourselves as an expert okay then we're putting this kind of like this set thing on ourselves like this ceiling now there's nowhere there's nowhere uh, more to grow and to go and that's how you continue to grow is mm -hmm. by recognizing okay yeah i know i know things 
I don't know everything. No. And yeah. there's gaps in my knowledge. For sure. And I'm willing to, you know, ask other people mm-hmm. or even do my own research yeah. um, into filling those gaps. No. And that's what I would uh, say thing too is like I think it's a perception of what people perceive an expert to be. In my opinion, like you're only an expert if you're only an expert when I've been around these high, like these experts around in any area in any field, right, that I've kind of interacted with, is that that is the mindset. Mm-hmm. Is that on the same side, of the reason that they are quote unquote an expert um, is because of those mindsets like that are placed around that, that it has less to do, um, that has less to do necessarily with knowing everything, right, and more to do with the mindset behind learning, mm-hmm. right, and more more behind like, hey, like I've learned these things, like let me, uh, like I wouldn't mind sharing them with yeah. you. Um, it doesn't mean that I know everything, um, but that's also, I think that's what drives me the most is on that same side of that, is like I'm constantly, every single year I think about this when I do taxes, uh, is uh, she's like oh don't trigger, that time of year trigger, too. trigger, trigger yeah. um, but when I do taxes every year I, I uh, document how much I have invested in education every year um, and that becomes a, a big thing and it's not always like you know books are isn't a, a, a way to right but again it might be courses it might be mm-hmm. you know conversations it might be all these other things um, that go into it and I think on the same side of that is I continue on the same side of that of knowing uh, that there's so many things that I don't know, and there's so many things, uh, you know, with it uh, that I continue to grow into. But I think, uh, like you're saying, is like on the s- the same side of note, if you're just tying that back into coaches, is that a lot of coaches on that same side is is, hey, you do know things, but also too, there's th- again, it's just impossible to know every field. That's why there's niches and experts. For example, mm-hmm. there's a knee specialist because all he thinks about is knees. There's an ankle awful. specialist, right? What'd you say? So it sounds awful. Yeah. All they think about is, is ankles, hands, faces, all these things, right? And at one point, you just had general doctors that were across the board, and they had, oh, orthopedics, you know, they handled it, you know, X, Y, and Z, right? But now you have, like, specialists. Like, again, when I broke my hand, like, I had a hand specialist that he, he is so amazing at making sure your hand is back functional after you have a major injury. And, like, so, you know, again, like, uh, typically performance or sports athletes will go to him to have them fix their hands, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's these niche um, areas that you're going to have these experts in because, like, they focus – because they do focus on one narrow uh, thing that they're going to be really good in that one area. Um, yeah, we can't know everything. No. We can't know all, be all. Gosh, dog it. And, you know, <laughs> you, know you having that humility and being vulnerable enough to say it – Yeah. Um, to me, mm. to all the people listening, yeah, um, that right there yeah. um, continues to prove that you're a learner, yeah, and that you're willing to learn not only for yourself mm. but for others. So that way, you learn from the things that didn't go as well, yeah, um, as you hoped, and yeah. then other people can, um, you're normalizing that for other people. Mm-hmm. They can find community in that and mm. validation in that. Um, whether they have done them, are doing them, or um, in the future could be yeah. doing them. And and uh, too, I would say sometimes, right? And what I mean by that is there's obviously times when I'm not being a learner and I have to reset that mindset. Yeah. Start to come sticky in certain areas. Humility. Um, yeah. And I think also there's moments uh, for uh, that a lot of coaches don't have these conversations. I, uh, I told myself that I need to start talking about this more is that I think a lot of people too, when they uh, 
think about when I f like work with athletes or the same thing like you as a therapist in your role as, as, as well um, is that I'm 100% confident all the time in what I do, which is like, again, you're like, there's no, yeah, no, yeah, absolutely not. Right. Yeah. And I think, for example, like I'm sure you do the same thing, but like I'll work with an athlete and I'll review the session. Right. And I'll go through Adrell knows this. I'll sit in his office and go through every swing. Right. And what we did and how we did and mm -hmm. how I could have been better. Oh, man, we shouldn't have transitioned to that. I was a little mm -hmm. quick. It was a little aggressive uh, that progressed too quick. I, you know, overloaded them. They know things like that and how I could do those things better. Um, and then also too, like, um, again, like the tones I was using and like the music I was playing in the room yeah. and like all these things that that go into Lots um, of components. Yeah, all these components. And then also too, in the macro, I might even view something going, man, like I really got away from this type of philosophy or I really got locked in on this one like aspect. Um, and um, I think it's a healthy, I was reading a book about this too, which I think is contrary. The reason I'm bringing it up is uh, typically it can be contrary that a lot of times, again, this expert space or whatever that is, um, these high performers that um, they're also not just highly critical, but also too, like they're, they're very, um, Like they're they're not only critical but like they're they're always questioning, mm -hmm. right? Like, okay, what am I missing? You gotcha. know, and that type of like, and that's very common. Like, I guess when they did this massive study mm -hmm. about these like higher performers, is that typically they're and again, I'm sure some of that's also tied back to insecurities and things like that within trauma. But also too, I think it's also uh, there's a healthy characteristic of humility that comes into that of if I believe that I got everything figured out and I've arrived and I've crossed the line and all these other things and you know. Uh, for me, that's a scary place because I feel like it's all downhill from here, mm -hmm. um, you know, rather than on the same side of that. And especially with the thoughts of abundance and uh, me being rooted in God in that same way, there's there's never a depth of knowledge or uh, again, I'll, I'm going to die not knowing plenty of things. Um, and so it doesn't matter if I was a constant learner and every second of every day try to learn. It's like there's too much to learn and there's too much that hasn't even been not discovered. Uh, that we're learning um, mm -hmm. as well. And then the, the other place that I always go to, too, is like I've been wrong every step of the way. So why would I assume today that I'm not wrong about anything? It's, it's silly. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's been silly, right? And, well. don't, be, and don't be wrong along with that. Like I've been right about things, too. Yeah. But it's one thing for me I realize that is like, again, giving myself permission is like, hey, like you've been, you've been missing things the whole time. Right. And now all of a sudden today you think mm -hmm. that you've seen all the things where I give myself permission to, and I tell my athletes that, too. It's like, hey, I guarantee you I'm going to tell you something today that I'm wrong about. And and when I'm also too, what I want you to have trust and faith and those things within me is that when I discover and every day I'm trying to figure out what I'm wrong about so I can be less wrong tomorrow. Right. But I'm going to come I'm going to come to you on the same side of that. And if I've been wrong with something, I'm going to talk to you about that. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say, hey, you know, I know we've been doing this, but I actually been thinking about it. And I don't think I don't know if this is really going to work, you know, and this is why. And this is what I think I was wrong about. And let's try this instead. Um, and uh, again, again, that gives permission both ways where I'm not selling a magical pixie dust that I know, you yes. know, it, it's we're having an experience um, and I'm doing my best and you're doing your best. Um, and we're trying to create you know, the most beautiful, and so is all your, and I think the scary part that people can fall into is um, they start to think, and it's like the lie that, well, no one else is having to deal with any of this. Mm -hmm. It's like everybody else is doing their best too with the same, like with these tight, 
tough circumstances with overcoming adversity. None of us are going to be perfect. No, there isn't the, the opponent that you put out there that is perfect, that doesn't struggle, that has the perfect coach, that has the perfect magical dust. Like, that's not it. Um, and yes, obviously, there's therapists, there's coaches, mm -hmm. there's uh, people with better, uh, maybe uh, better environments for that they that fit them that could be helping. Yes, for sure. But the lie that there's this perfect place, um, you know, that we can put in our heads is obviously uh, can cause a lot of bad things. Well, if everything's perfect, then how do you do anything different? Yeah. Um, and you said that we're all doing our best to a certain extent. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes we're telling ourselves that and it's For not sure. true. For sure. But <laughs> um, when we really are honest with ourselves, when we're not, um, you know, being our best. Yeah. Then that's um, we just need to be honest with ourselves. And then that's where growth can also happen mm -hmm. by doing something different. And now we're just going to like come full circle with that. Mm -hmm. And um, we have we have a choice there. We can either ignore that and avoid that mm -hmm. and just keep doing the same thing over and over and saying, yep, well, I'm doing my best. But <laughs> are we? Yeah, no, it's good. Well, one thing I'm going to throw myself in the conversation yeah, here throw, too. throw it in there Tay. <laughs> well one thing that you mentioned a couple times and we've circled through it is that one you're not afraid to reach out to other resources for help and guidance uh, which I think something that a lot of our coaches just don't do because of pride and ego mm -hmm. um, but another thing too like you know all of us here know like we can't help the world we can't save the world yeah so it's important to know all the resources that you have around you mm -hmm. um, and one of the things I do want to talk about as we near the end of our time with yeah. Kim um, is you know some of the resources that Kim you offer uh, via telehealth that can reach you know state to state to state mm -hmm. um, but some of these resources that again people can utilize from afar um, mm -hmm. before we let ourselves go for sure yeah go ahead crack it open well yes so if you if you or someone that you know would like to work with me. Mm -hmm. I am seeing individuals mm -hmm. uh, via telehealth, so sessions over video. Uh, my website is kindredjadesolutions.com. We'll put it in the show notes for y'all. You can <laughs> reach out to me through there. Um, and my email address is kin, K-I-N, at kindredjadesolutions.com. Love that. If you have yeah. any questions, I would love to connect. And as we've talked about, I'm a lifelong learner, so let's learn some things together. Yeah, no, love that. And I, I think the, um, too, I think the, we, we've talked about this, uh, Taylor and I have talked about this as well, is like a uh, continued um, education. I, I, for example, I think uh, we, we talked about that as well, that uh, I think Bianca was the first one that we ever had on twice, mm -hmm. right? And I, we might have had her on three, three times. times now. She was, oh, wow. I think she was the first one. We either had twice or three times, and definitely, I think I almost um, unequivocally, I think I brought up during that episode that she was the first female that was ever on the podcast. Yeah. When we originally had her. Yeah. Um, but also, um, on that, on that same note, uh, the reason that, uh, with that, so you, you got to be prepared. Mm -hmm. Is I'm gonna have Taylor tap you on the shoulder. I mean, we're gonna keep. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Look, look it, well, if you know me, you know I got all the resources. Because I know I can't help everybody, it. but yeah. I guarantee you, yeah. I know someone that's, who can. That's why well, I, I'll well, that's, get you to the right place. Well, that's why I was laughing when you said, you know, everybody in here knows that we can't save the world. I'm like, Tay, that's your thing. Like you, that that's the thing you you you've grown through. Okay, she she was trying to save everybody. Made a you know mission to yeah, find yeah. every resource <laughs> you need. I got you. For sure. For sure. So good, but. 
Um, no, yeah, and um, you know, again, along with that, like, uh, definitely, again, appreciate uh, you coming on because again, I do want to normalize, and that's why even with Bianca, we've had her on so many times. Is <coughs> with that is like normalizing those conversations, mm -hmm. and there's no way, obviously, in any, you know, any setting. Again, me, just like you couldn't if we talked to somebody for you know uh, one session that. Uh, the value that can be provided and also different perspectives and uh, things that we learn questions you know I'm sure people that will reach out and, and things that you know you're gonna continue to as the same way I'm, I'm sure a whole bunch of people on the same side of that I hope um, even on that same and I know that you have that same heart is hey like even if you don't like I say this with like as a hit, hitting coach too as well it's like when people reach out to me it's like I get it like maybe you can't get with me maybe you can't here in Vegas maybe you can't you know yeah. again r remote train with us or what that looks like but also to normalize the conversation of like hey like there is resources in your area there is also two resources that we talked like like telehealth and all those things that like uh, people don't even know are available um, that like for example like my therapist Taylor's therapist like that's what we do is we work with them uh, remotely mm -hmm. um, through again I go home and have a session on my computer yeah. and sit down um, in the comfort of my own home right and and have these conversations you know week in and week out um, and again like those are can be such powerful resources for people that they don't even know exist because mm -hmm. they're thinking about you know they might have this archaic un, you know sense like well I gotta go to the shrink's office yeah. and, Lay and, on the couch. yeah and also and too, I gotta have this yeah. major trauma that happened in my life or what are we gonna even talk about am I gonna tell them that what you know and then are they gonna uh, judge me hundred percent are they gonna push this on me are they gonna push uh, you know, I know for um, I was just talking to a therapist the other day and she was like, man, like, um, you know, it's even hard for me because uh, like, let's say, uh, you know, they think that I'm going to push faith on them or, mm -hmm. you know, push God on them or or some of these other things. And, um, you know, and, and again, I think that breaking down a lot of those walls and having those things and saying, hey, like not only these are great resources, but uh, breaking down those lies that are holding you back from like where you're trying to get. Um, and the, you know, the conversations that you need to have are huge. So again, also the resources and, um, hopefully I can, you know, from God also to push those things back to you too, is like the, the impact that even though in small moments and again, along with that, like, uh, just where you've come and also a short period of time with mm -hmm. personal success, but also the impact. And, and one of the things I bring up is some of us have an opportunity, an amazing opportunity, uh, to maybe on the same side of that, um, help one person in our life and how beautiful that is in right. itself of to be a resource and it could have been again for example um you know i've had obviously not obviously that was ridiculous um that i've had the opportunity where like again like i've had you know friends that were you know best friends that were really close to me uh that struggle with suicide mm -hmm. and those things and um they've they've come to me right in, the, in those areas and um i've had an opportunity and was part of that healing journey um with them um, as well and like how beautiful that is right but also too like when someone's dedicated their life into yeah. the things of, of helping um, of again like what that does not only for community but also the world um, and the healing that that brings rather than us all running around spitting poison at one another or not having the clinical sides of understanding what's really going on mm -hmm. and we're not uh, you know our triggers aren't we're not running around spitting poison at each other um, from our own traumas and actually processing things and with that is how that how much of a resource that is so uh yes thank you for coming on the podcast but from a deep, but, from a, but from a deeper thank you is also to like what you're putting into the world mm -hmm. and also to uh the energy that you're putting back in and where you're dedicating um your life and your your uh passions into i think is 
uh, just amazing. Because again, like I said, it, it, some of us have the blessing of helping one one person. You do this day in and day out, and you know, pouring to so many people, and uh, just thanking you from a world. I appreciate that. So, wow. Uh, yeah. Thank That's you. Very thank heartfelt. You, no. Yeah. Thank you so much for uh, jumping on. I'm sure it won't be our you know last conversation, um, and um, all of that. But uh, yeah, it's been awesome. Yes, it was. Thank you so much. You okay. you gonna pray us out or? Yes, you thank you for the reminder. I always pray us out. Let's it's do a, it. It's a thing. Okay. All right, uh, dear and Father, thank you so much for our time that we shared here, God. And um, I just ask that you, um, just one, just open up um, the ears and hearts of everybody that was um, listening and to hear what they needed to hear and what you wanted to say to them and um, the ways that you uh, walked through us and uh, spoke through us and. Um, we just want to we want to see the world like you do, God, and uh, we're just so thankful that uh, you continue to offer us perspectives and um, how beautiful it is that you needed billions and billions of people to uh, represent your personality um, and all the ways that you love us um, and all the different ways that you can show uh, love for us. So, uh, just so thankful for those things and these opportunities and these um, experiences, and uh, we ask that uh, you continue to pour into us and that uh, you continue to open these doors and experiences. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And may all of our coaches out there make friends with a therapist. Yes. <laughs> a a amen to that. Amen to that. Uh, last note I'll say before on that note, before we, we close out is again with that. And uh, from a therapist, like you said, like a lot of therapists having therapists or sh should be having mm -hmm. that is again, being a coach is not an easy thing. Um, and uh, there's a lot of things that come along with that. And I just want to like encourage coaches in that same way. Um, like you're pouring into a lot of people. Um, and again, you're taking on a lot of things, yeah. um, let alone being a father at home, let alone, you know, right. all the other things that come along with it. So, uh, yeah, you becoming, you know, and reaching out and, and, and getting yourself a therapist, I think is, uh, it's been huge for me and I think would be a great resource for everybody as well. So, uh, I just wanted to say that before we wrap up, but until, until next time, farm system out.